Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You have waited for this. You've begged for this. You've dreamed of it. ESPN's Courtney Cronin returns to the show to talk Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings draft. What is up, Courtney? Great to have you back. It's been a minute. I consulted with Draft Scout before I came on just to get permission because I know she's been like really, really selective in the podcast that she's been doing getting a lot of people like just wanting her insight because i mean her brain is huge like if if only i could have that brain like you know 40 percent of the time instead of the one or two couple days she lets me tap into the skills before the draft but no i mean i'm thrilled to be back it's our favorite week of the year do you know what's going to be served in the media room on thursday night are they doing like a big spread for you guys again I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I do know that I'm going to be at home doing a stream for day one. And then so day two, I'll be out there. I assume there's going to be food on both days. But I mean, we, we've gotten Jimmy John's before. But earlier this offseason, we had a get together for another thing with Kevin O'Connell and a couple other people. And they just randomly rolled out a taco bar for us. It was unreal. Just completely out of nowhere. It was amazing. You texted me about it and Seifert texted me about it. And I remember feeling like, you know, we got the old guard, us, and the new guard. Well, Kevin's not new, but, like, he was new to our shenanigans and the um, happenings of the media room. So, like, I felt like my presence was still felt there because even he thought uh, the taco bar was just out of this world and had to let me know about it. And it, and it felt good. Like, I, I felt like I'm still connected to, to you people on this team because of literally the taco bar. I think what we wanted was just you to feel very jealous. And then, uh, okay, I think could have been that too. Thanks so much. Like, could have been you guys just rubbing it in, pouring salt in the wounds because we don't get Taco Bar. We got Panera during the free agency press conference where they like brought out the general manager. We were told you have 12 minutes with him, even though he had done national interviews, um, you know, breaking down literally everything with the draft, but you know, that's part of the course. Um, but yeah, that was during free agency and we got polls, we got DJ Moore, and then we had like all these gaps in between players. So they brought us Panera. It was nice. I had a BLT. 12 minutes is very funny. It's like if it goes 13 it a minutes. It's specific time frame where it's like you have 12 minutes with the general manager. It goes, it clicks over to 1201 and you're like, but Ryan, what are you going to do? And the PR person dives in for no more questions. <laughs> like you know, some of this stuff. It is funny. Uh, but Ryan Pulse has been a busy gentleman. So we need to talk about that. I mean, trading down from the number one spot, pretty clearly signaling that, you know, Justin Fields is going to be their quarterback. That's uh, funny. 
it's sort of been right for now, for now. It's been, uh, you know, kind of like it happened so early that it's just off the radar, but it's not like they moved into the second round or something. The bears are still holding a top draft pick. Um, and so I guess I wonder on a roster that has been beefed up quite a bit by free agency around Justin Fields, what are we looking at here? What ish? I guess beefed up ish. They've made quite a few moves. They still have cap space to work with, by the way, to bring in other people. So I guess uh, broad strokes. What are we thinking? I mean, DJ Moore coming in. I don't think we've talked since that happened. So when you talk about beefed up around Justin Fields, like yes, I'm not at all discrediting that. I mean, that was a great move because they needed to get a player in their hall to feel comfortable about trading the number one pick, because let's be honest, there aren't a lot, there weren't anybody in free agency that you're like, Oh, that's number one wide receiver. Let's sign him up. You, you were going to have to go through a trade to get that guy. And they did DJ Moore's 25 years old, more or less. If this thing works out, then you sink his career trajectory up with Justin Fields. And those two can be on the same, same path uh, in terms of extensions, in terms of, you know, being a part of this team production, like you have your guy. So that's what they tried to do with fields and giving him a receiver who, I mean, hell, if you can make magic in magic, a three, 1100 yard seasons with eight different quarterbacks, throwing you the ball since you got there in 2018, like something tells me you're a pretty good player. So that's great for fields, but then, you know, elsewhere, their free agency priorities, I think they I think were a little confusing to some people because they got two off-ball linebackers who play the same position, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. So it's like, who's the Mike? Who's the who's, you know, your weak side linebacker? And it's pretty clear that Tremaine Edmonds, considering he was the best linebacker available in free agency, is gonna be your Mike. So like you spent heavy there. But then they didn't go heavy on the defensive line with any of the, you know tackle prospects and I get it like that was a very expensive market they chose to sit out of that and Ryan Poles was asked about it are you confident you can find that guy in the draft are you confident that like you'll be okay at that spot going forward and his answer was very blunt that there's going to be holes on this roster this year and I think his honest approach to how he's taking this is very refreshing for someone covering this team because I don't think that every general manager's not going to like peel back the curtain and show you their draft board or their plans uh but they're you know I think he's setting himself up and setting this team up to know if they go from like three wins to seven wins this year, eight wins, that's a, that's a mark of success for this franchise. And you're trying to do it in a methodical way that will allow you to not overspend. Cause I think that they looked at the Mike McGlinchey market over on the offensive tackles and thought we're not spending $69 million on an offensive tackle. And I say that with like joking, I mean, he's making 17.5 million a year from, from Denver, but they didn't want to get involved in that. Like, that's just not like, I think they're doing this to know, like, I know from their approach, they are not trying to go knee-jerk reaction on anything. They're not trying to say, okay, well, like, you know, we have all this money we got to spend right now and get guys in. First off, when you're a free agent, you get to choose where you go, more or less, if you've got multiple suitors. And I'm not sure a lot of these guys are going to want to come to a place that won three games last year. And yes, their trajectory is going upwards, but we don't know if that's, you know, we don't know how it's going to pan out. But there probably needs to be a very heavy focus in the draft going forward this week when it comes to Justin Fields, whether that's pass protection, which I think should be their top priority, whether it's getting another wide receiver in the mix. And it's kind of hard because this isn't a very deep group. They've got to be very calculated with how they approach this. Um, some of their biggest needs remaining 
probably won't be addressed like until day two and probably they probably will come away with still with some holes in the roster. Fortunately, circling back to your first point, they do have money left to spend. And I think for pass rushers, I think for maybe bringing in somebody before training camp starts, like that's where you look to the post June one market. You look to the summertime to sign some guys and bring them in and and then go from there. Yeah. I think with this year, I've been kind of like, flummoxed a little bit at how many players are still out there it it was like uh, the first and second waves of free agency passed over a lot of good players who are still in free agency and don't have homes yet and the bears still have a lot of money that they have to spend uh and yeah this is where i I think the vikings don't want to cut zadarius smith because zadarius smith might end up a bear because they could give him more money and i think zadarius smith not a criticism wants the most money he could possibly get Uh, and you know so they they would rather trade him to an afc team or something and keep him away from the chicago bears like there are still things and several for the vikings but i think this goes for a lot of other teams that are floating in the air maybe more than we usually have around this time so that means that everybody's got to be mocking yourself some skaronsky right like we have talked about tackles at all because obviously the Vikings have the best tackles uh, in the league in, in terms of a combination but uh, I, it is too bad that I haven't been able to say Skaronsky over and over oh, again. I've said it a bunch. I've, <laughs> I've gotten it like out of the way for you. I know how to spell it. I know how to pronounce it. I know about his 32 and a quarter inch arm length more than I probably want to but I little spoiler alert here. Um, our mock draft, our NFL Nation mock draft, uh, goes live tomorrow on Tuesday night, seven to nine p.m. Eastern time. And I I mocked him to the Bears. There was no other offensive lineman taken before I got onto the clock at nine. And I just think that when you look at the the flexibility you get with someone like Peter Skaronsky and all of the needs that the Bears have, he's the right. He he's. Like, You can't really go wrong, whether it's Skronsky or Paris Johnson Jr., and we don't truly know how they have the board stacked. We can guess. We can take a look at, oh, wow, they've spent a whole ton of time at his pro day. They've got people there often during the season. Like They like him a lot. He's a local prospect. They certainly put an emphasis on that. Ryan Poles did say it was intentional. All of the prospects or all of the players, the veterans that they signed. I don't know if I buy put too much stock into that. Like TJ Edwards, Chicago guy, Robert Tanyan, Chicago guy. It seems more like a coincidence than anything else to me, but they are talk about building a culture here. They want people who understand, you know, that this is, you know, a place where you come in where, you know, they they are one of the, you know, premier, not premier, but they haven't won anything, but they are a charter franchise. They want to get back to where like, Hey, we're a charter franchise. Like we're winning a lot of games. And so I think having people understand the history of that is a small element in it, but it is something we will be talking about if they do draft Skaronsky. Cause I guarantee those main South to Northwestern to Chicago bears questions and the parallels, those will, those will provide many a feature story this off season. Skaronsky. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, can you blame them? Like, for his name alone, like, this guy sounds like a true Chicagoan through and through. Right. That's exactly it. Like, all those people in Chicago be like, hey, what about that Skaronsky? He's a hell of a tackle. I mean, it just seems perfect. Uh, but I think it should be like a middle linebacker name, though. Skaron, it nose tackle, offensive line. Well, they, okay, okay. So this is the debate on Skaronsky, though. Like, is Skaronsky he kind of sounds like a Nagurski. So, like, that's where my mind goes when I'm thinking of like, you know, 
players on defense who smash their head into things and, you know, are violent players. Get Skaronsky a brat out there. Uh, does he, um, <laughs> but is he a guard? Is he, a, is he a tackle or is he a guard? What's his deal? What's Skaronsky's deal? I, I talked with Brandon Thorne, um, recently about this uh from you know trench warfare newsletter he was awesome we had a really good conversation just about the state of the offensive line because again circling back to your first point did they do enough around justin fields and free agency the answer is no but they got to start because nate davis is a player they brought in he only played right guard in tennessee he's going to play right guard in chicago they're going to try tevin jenkins over at left guard but if they draft skaransky then you know, I think you have an above average tackle, but somebody who could be a pro bowl prospect at, you know, for a long time at guard. And the example that Brandon, you know, talked with me through when he was going through his write-up on this guy is that he compared him to Joe Tooney. I think like, you know, when Joe was coming out and he got drafted by the New England Patriots, like he was a tackle at NC state, but like he moved inside and he became like even better. So if the arm length is truly that big of a concern, you do have to think about it because where are your bigger needs? Like are they on the interior, which is a yes, but like if you bring him in and you expect him to play left guard, let's say, um, first off, where does Tevin Jenkins go? And then who's your other tackle? Like, are you expecting Alex Leatherwood, the guy that they claimed before, uh, you know, they claimed during the roster cutdowns, I can owe him a ton of guarantees. I don't know if he's the guy at right tackle. And then you must be confident that Braxton Jones can stay at left and, you know, improve from what pick up from where he was leaving off last year and improve, but there's still, still a lot of unknowns because we don't know where he fits at the NFL level on this offensive line. I think he's a guard at the next level. I just don't know with how many needs the bears have. Like, are you just going to get a no name tackle prospect that's, or, you know, somebody that's sitting out there, maybe or somebody later part of the draft. I mean, they did show, that they can get offensive linemen on day three and have them play a bunch of snaps. Braxton Jones was the only player on the bears who played a hundred percent of snaps last year. That's crazy. And this guy was an FCS product from Southern Utah in a fifth round pick. They've shown they can find that talent. I just don't know if you could hedge everything on that. So Skaronsky, I think gives you more options. Paris Johnson jr. Is the best pure left tackle in this class though. So frankly, the hard thing for them is going to be if they're sitting there at nine, let's say Jalen Carter falls and or does not fall and he's not available because that changes things even further if he's there. But let's say they're sitting there at nine, they're splitting hairs between these guys. If there's then a quarterback that falls and there's a team that wants to move up and say you could move back a little further in the first round and still get a top prospect, it won't be a Skaronsky or a Paris Johnson, but it could be a Broderick Jones or it could be a Darnell Wright. Maybe you do that. And I like both of those guys. I mean, usually tackles in the first round are a very good bet. That doesn't mean they all work out, but I think if we're making bets for, do they become at very least solid starters and sometimes superstars? Like that's a pretty good choice. And Broderick Jones, like you can't find too many guys who played against tougher competition than him at Georgia versus maybe Northwestern. I mean, no offense to our big 10 friends, but it's a little bit different play in the sec freak shows that uh, Broderick Jones would have gone up a while. There is a reason that they can't take Paris Johnson, by the way, that's because Detroit is the Paris of the Midwest. That's his nickname. Yeah. Yeah. When when did they name it that? 
I don't know, but that's like that's what it's known as. I can look it up. Uh, you know, I don't. I see. don't think Detroit needs any offensive linemen though. They've done it literally every single draft since 2016. I think they're fine. I think okay. that they should probably, if Jalen Carter's there, I would take him. Well, I'm saying that you know, I'm not saying he has to go to Detroit, but if you're Chicago, can you draft a player named Paris when it, another inner you know division city is named the Paris of the Midwest? I'm looking it up. Let's see. Well, the term Paris of the Midwest owes itself to Detroit's colonial heritage. It expanded to cover other comparisons to Detroit's French architectural influence at the turn of the 20th century. Yeah. Well, how about you do some draft research? Um, Uh, (laughs) Field modeled after like the Eiffel Tower. You said like all this like French influence in their architecture. I haven't seen it. Well, the Eiffel Tower usually does indicate how many games Detroit wins per year. A one. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, uh, we're not going to be able to roast Detroit anymore. Get all your jokes in now. No, um, no, we very well might because of all of their gambling nonsense. And who knows if this is just the tip of the iceberg. Jamison Williams isn't going to be able to play for six games. That guy was supposed, he will have missed 17 games over his first two seasons. And this was their first round pick. That's not great. No, it's not. And uh, one thing is, I think that whatever the gambling rules are, I would really like them to be a little more transparent about what the problems are because a lot of people are betting on sports. And I think that players are allowed to bet on other sports, but it just can't involve football, which I think is probably right that players should not be betting, Even if it's not their own team, they should not be betting on football in any way. Uh, so I don't know exactly the details of why Jamison Williams was only suspended six games. What, what is that? What, what so him and ba- I think it's Stanley Berryhill. They bet on non NFL games, but they did it on quote unquote, like official team property. So I don't know if that means that like they got his IP address and they somehow knew it this way. Like we talked about this on around the horn the other day. Like there's a lot of layers to this first off different rules for different folks. And I think that this is kind of a weird thing. NFL players allowed to bet on anything other than NFL. So like CJ Moore, who, you know, God bless him. I covered him in high school, but like, so I kind of like, I don't feel bad for him in this instance, but that one kind of hits home for me. I'm like, damn dude, like you're from a tiny town in, you're from Bassfield, Mississippi, and you're about to throw your career away over this. Come on guy. So like him, Quintez Cephas, and then the dude from Washington who somehow got looped into this thing too, they were betting on NFL games. You cannot do that. I mean, you would think that people would have learned after the Calvin Ridley situation, players in the NFL, like this gambling policy exists for a reason. I know that the NFL's got DraftKings, they've got Caesars, they got all the other sports books, many of which are in stadiums now. You cannot bet on NFL games period point blank that can affect the integrity of the game and it's just that's not going to change like we can talk about it till we're blue in the face it's not going to change you can bet on other sports though but i think the issue here is that the nfl is like splitting hairs like were they doing it in a team facility were they doing it in a hotel the night before a game because technically that's like a team venue Whatever happened here, I'm really curious to see how they got the information of the Barry Hill kid and Jamison Williams, like that they were doing this. They'll be able to apply for reinstatement, uh, I believe, after six games. So we'll see. But then the other side of this that I think is kind of like unfair, NFL personnel. If you work for an NFL team, you are not allowed to bet on the NFL. You're not allowed to bet on anything no professional sports like it's like strictly i looked at the gambling policy the other day it's strictly contained to 
like an off track betting, like, you know, horse racing, or there's like one other stipulation, but it's like NCAA tournament. No, um, masters. No, uh, anything else you would bet on, you name it, professional sports, non-professional sports, meaning college, you cannot bet on any of that. And there are a couple staffers in Detroit who got fired for doing this. And we don't know if they're coaches. We don't know if they're other people in the building. My colleague, Eric Woodyard reported that the other day that there were several others who got fired and it's frustrating because it's like, well, why are there rules differently different for those people when there's when the athletes are allowed to bet on things other than the NFL? I think a blanket rule that nobody can bet on the NFL, your team, anybody else's team is fine if you work for a team. But that's kind of BS if you're not able to officially like place a bet on FanDuel for, you know, do a parlay in the NBA playoffs. I think that's kind of lame. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I agree with you. And I also think the whole, like, we're going to suspend him because it was on team property is just nonsense. I mean, if they look, if people, I totally agree. If people are betting on NFL games, then you deserve to be suspended, fired, whatever, because like you said, you can alter the outcomes for your own bets or even have inside information, whatever, from your other people, you know, but if you're (laughs) what you're at your locker and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to put down, you know, 20 seven dollars on the lakers i'm sure that's all nfl players would bet is very small they bet like you and me yeah exactly so uh but if you're having that conversation in your locker and you go boop boop on the app then you're suspended what what that, that makes no I sense know. how did they know like are they hacking into players phones when they're on the building wi-fi so or, or is somebody is there a snitch in there the paris nurse. of the midwest Someone is snitching. Maybe that could be it. But anyway, I mean, what a weird, what a weird situation. So hopefully uh, none of these guys are betting on the draft. I don't even know how we got there from. uh, Because we were talking about Detroit. Paris of the Midwest. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't think that Jameson Williams being suspended for a few games changes the outlook for Detroit. I mean, they do have also a ton of draft capital and they've improved their team a ton. Um, So we can't make fun of them as much. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting, though, to talk about it as Detroit comes up. Minnesota, Green Bay, where Chicago fits in this entire thing, like if you were betting, so to speak, uh, where Chicago fits in this entire thing about like their timeline, because, okay, let's say you draft yourself a Skaronski and then you get yourself, you know, a, a corner and a, maybe a receiver or something, maybe a receiver that's under 28 years old and like Velas Jones last year, uh, Every time with the old guys, it's like, no, no, this one's different. Like, this no, one's going to work going. out. I promise you. He's 25 because he's a late bloomer. Well, 
No, he's he's beating other people because he's 25 and they're 20. And that's why anyway, uh, the Hendon hooker thing is still, you know, sitting out there for the Vikings. But the, I just wonder about the, the, the overall timeline though. I mean, if you, if you have this like routine draft where you get some players to fill spots and you're not doing the quarterback thing and whatever else, um, I mean, where does expectations kind of go for next year and when are they going to expect to actually win some stuff? I think it's 2024. And I think again, I remember when polls was asked about, I think I brought this up earlier when he was asked about the, you know, the, can you find a three technique? Can you improve your defensive line in the draft? Because they didn't really do much of that in free agency. He said like, you know, there's going to be some holes on this roster. I think the approach again is the same this year as it was last year. Find some players that you expect to come in, perform really well and be then you decide you can weed out who doesn't, who doesn't, who doesn't. And then the ones who do are part of what you're building going forward, coupled with last year's draft class, coupled with the, the staple players on this team, whether it's, you know, a Cole Komet, obviously if Justin Fields pans out, then there's these other question marks, you know, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, guy, Chase Claypool, guys who are going to be eligible for extensions. You know, this is their year too to prove that they're worth that. And I look back at what polls did last year. And right now they've got 10 draft picks. They've got 9, 53, 64, 61, 64. So four in the top 64. I still am a firm believer that the gap between 9 and 53 is going to be when a lot of really good players go off the board. And maybe that'll like push Ryan Poles to want to like get a little bit more involved early on, um, you know, and moving up versus moving back. But he has shown a penchant to move back and he's done a really good job with finding players who can play a lot of different games and not necessarily like starts, but like I went back and looked, um, you know, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker were starting caliber players for this team and sans injury. They nearly played perfect seasons, like 14 games for Gordon, 15 games for Brisker. You know, you go down the, again, Braxton Jones, their starting left tackle who earned that job considerably early in camp. Like that's not, that's not something to scoff at. Like he was, playing 17 games this season as a rookie played every single snap on offense. And then you go down further and the day three picks Dominique Robinson, a transitioned receiver to defensive end. It happened at Miami, Ohio, I believe 2020, but he played 17 games. He appeared in 17 games this year. Tristan Ebner backup running back was in 17 games. Elijah Hicks, a lot of special teams contributions from him, 15 games. And of course they found a punter, um, that's important. So they've shown that they can get a lot out of prospects. Sometimes those people are forced into positions that they probably wouldn't be on on other teams that were, you know, much better than three and 14. But I think you got a good look at players that you expect to be around for, you know, this year, for next year, and for what you want to build around. Taking that same approach into this year's draft is critical because volume. I mean, obviously you want quality, but like quantity is important here too, because they do still have a ton of different spots. I mean, they need to replace their entire defensive line more or less. That's, that's, can you do that in one draft? No. Can you do it maybe in free agency? I mean, they did get to Marcus Walker from Tennessee. Who's got inside outside flexibility. I bet he'll be, you know, like a, he'll be, he'll rush from the edge, like first and second down and then they'll kick him inside. Same thing that Tennessee did with him. But you can't fix all of the problems in one draft. You can try to get a little closer. And I think that they've got their priorities in line where if you come away, especially let's look at that, those top four picks in the 64, 
if you come away with three, at least three starting caliber players in there or guys who make contributions, it will be deemed in retrospect as a, uh, a successful draft because offensive line, defensive line, frankly, it's a toss up which direction they go at nine. I think you'd lean heavier towards the offensive line, but those are two positions of need. And then they need another cornerback. In the NFL, you have three starting cornerbacks. Like, let's call it what it is. The nickel is a starting position, and Kyler Gordon, you know, projects to be that guy again going forward. He had a good rookie season. Not great, but good rookie season. And then it's like, what's the third, fourth, the fourth most important position? Is it, you know, wide receiver? Yes, you'd think that fixing the depth around, you know, that position is, is a big one. But also, if there's a running back that's there, I could very well see them taking – a running back in the second round at some point because David Montgomery walked in free agency. They did bring in Deontay Foreman, but Deontay had, has had one full season where he's been fully, fully healthy and he had a very efficient season at that. But you got to be thinking long-term when this is an offense that is predicated on the outside zone and you want to run the ball and try to take some of that pressure off fields. If there's a guy that's sitting there that could help do that, then I could see them doing that too. So everything as far as their bigger timeline seems to just surround around Justin Fields, because if he is fairly successful this year, so let's say like, again, they have this average draft and they get an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, running back, like you said, uh, and, and he works out totally well to take this next step. And, and it was all true that he just needed a number one wide receiver. I'm skeptical on that of him throwing the ball and getting sacked too much, which is really my biggest concern. I think that he can throw the ball. Okay. But I think that he just Hold gets sacked to all long. the time. Right. And it's not just getting sacked. It's also getting pressured and everyone is worse when they're pressured. So if like half the time you're either getting sacked or pressured, I mean, that's, you're not going to be very effective throwing the ball. Um, and even from a clean pocket, it's kind of like ish. So you need to get many more clean pockets than he was able to get. But let's say that he takes at least a decent next step. He's super dynamic in the running game. They're very happy with him. I think that then you're looking at going into next year's free agency, trying to stockpile and kind of like Detroit did this year where Detroit was competitive last year and they were kind of, you know, still raising a lot of these young players that they have been drafting. And then to the next season, like now there's expectations on Detroit. I think real expectations in Chicago probably hit in 2024, 2025, yes. right? And that's assuming, that's assuming the moves that they're making now help Justin Fields take that proverbial next step. If he has a bad season this year, and if they're like, hey, we're sitting on an extra first round pick in 2024, the clock probably starts over because they're probably taking Caleb Williams or Drake May. That's just what it is. Like, it was always going to be too early for them. Even if they, and I think they do like Fields. I really do. But even if they didn't, I think it would still be too early for this team, given the quarterbacks in this class. Not everybody's in agreement that Bryce Young is going to be like super duper. Like, he's just super duper among like the four that, you know, aren't the sexiest of all prospects that we've had because there truly is no number one next year is when you get the players who could be franchise altering quarterbacks the quote-unquote generational talent I hate that term but we've seen some of those things thrown around that those guys might be that so I I always felt like going into the offseason when we talked about the number one pick, I'm like, they're not keeping this thing. Are you kidding me? Like, first off, the leverage for them to build with their roster and Poles is someone who wants to build through the draft. He's been adamant about that. I did a, I'm did. working on a profile on him. I talked to people from Kansas City in his past. 
um, and others that know his, you know, know his like inner workings and, and how he operates. That's who he is. That's, that's the lifeblood of this roster. And that's what it's going to be. So that to me was like a golden opportunity for him to go and do things the way that he's comfortable doing, which is trading and getting picks and finding players in the draft and making, building them on your own. So I, I always, I never felt like Justin Fields was in jeopardy. I really didn't like in jeopardy of not being the bears quarterback because Bears aren't going to give up on him that soon. I also don't think that there's going to be a team out there that's trying to trade like two first to get this guy who's unproven. Um. So uh, did you dig into Ryan Poles at Canadagua High School, which is actually- is that how you say it? I've been like, when I see it, I'm like, Canada, like that's how I pronounce it to myself because I don't know how to, can you say it again? You said it yeah. so beautifully. Thank you. No, Canadagua, Canadagua. Like Canada- it's the- there's okay, two ends, but you kind of blow right by the second one. It's just Canada. Okay, because the yeah. two ends trip me up. And I remember looking at that. I'm like, Canada. <laughs> it sounded it sounded just like I thought it would. And um sort of like I pronounce Eberflus. <laughs> what was the other one you did too? Um yeah, the you Eberflus slurring the syllables in the middle. Um that works. But, but Ryan, Ryan Poles went to high school in the same place that I went to community college and worked at a grocery store. So I lived in the same town that he went I to high school. I knew that your Western New York ties would eventually once again come through and help me. So I think I'm going to, I'm a source, really. I guess I've just like uh, made it, you know, public that well, I'm I a source like, of Ryan Poles information. I'm going to like go through like, what is Canadigua? Is it a town or is it just the name of the high school? Uh, no, it's a town. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more of like a suburb, I would call it. You're going to be the guy who gives me background so I can write some glowy, flowy language about what this place looks like on a cold winter's night in Canadigua, New York, 9 p.m. Ryan Poles is leaving the gym after he just got done with a workout, his prospect going to Boston College, trudging through five inches, five feet of snow. It's also April 30th. Like... Yeah, that's that's where we'll go with that. So there's a lake, and that would be very important to your profiling of him. Of like, Is it called Lake Canadigua? Ryan Poles walked along the Lakeshore Drive with his. I, that's what's called in Chicago. I I actually don't remember the name of. The, there's a road that everybody goes down in front of the lake, and I forget what it's called. Well, what's so the lake like, called? It's called Canadigua Lake. So okay. like, it's one of the Finger Lakes. Does everyone not know this? What is a Finger Lake? Uh, there are a bunch of lakes that were formed by glaciers that sort of went uh, north to south uh, in western New York or central New York, really. And they form these like long, thin lakes. And so there's like four or five of them. So they call them the Finger Lakes. And because when you look at it on a map, it kind of looks like like either four gashes of a panther's claw or... <laughs> four fingers, something like that. So I live ne- next to Canada, but there's like Cayuga and there's like a couple other ones that are the same they all, way. They so. all sound similar. Yeah. 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 They all kind of sound similar. So, you know, you could say he's, you know, walking in front of Canadagua Lake deep in thought when a cool summer's breeze hits whatever, you know, so. No, it's that's... winter always in New- in Western New York. That's how I oh. feel. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you get hired by the athletic, you'll have to pull that that club out of the bag. Uh, anyway, let's, but let's, I want, I need to get your opinion on kind of where the Vikings sit in all this, because I think every year that you and I covered drafts, when you were the Vikings reporter, we knew 
what they were going to do. I mean, we had a really, really clear cut idea. Nothing I nailed surprised. my pick in the 2019 mock draft that we did when I said, when I got Garrett Bradbury, that's the Nothing, one time where I've gotten it. I've like, when I've done the mock draft on ESPN, that's the one time I got it right. Nothing surprised us. I mean, when they took Justin Jefferson, when they took Jeff Gladney, like nothing surprised us there. You know, wide receiver and corner. Cornerback, that's exactly what we knew was going to happen in 20. And then even the following year, um, actually, I think I nailed that pick too. I had Darisaw in my draft. Um, did. I, I didn't have him at um, where they, where they, where did they draft that year? Is it 20? They moved back. So like. That, I'm he- just. Conjuring some memories of you being uh, critiqued on uh, social channels. I absolutely remember that. That was a, that was a prideful moment for me, but yeah, so I've gotten it right twice. Um, But it was, you're right. It was so obvious because we knew what the holes were. We knew they were going to be parting ways with Riley reef months before that. We knew that, you know, in, you know, the, the script wrote itself in Minnesota. The day that Diggs was traded to Buffalo and then they get a first round pick back, I'm like, that's probably the pick that's going to be used to find his replacement. And then, of course, you know, with Trey Waynes leaving and Mackenzie Alexander leaving and like, it's like, all right, cornerback. Like now it's weird because the team has they're still marching forward with Kirk Cousins. We don't know if he's going to be the quarterback there beyond this season. So, of course, my brain's like, is this finally the year that they draft a legitimate replacement? Because we knew back in 2021 that what's his name from Kellen Mond was not going to be the replacement. The guy was a third round pick for a reason. And I don't even know if he's still in the NFL. Is he with Cleveland still somewhere? Like he got picked up somewhere. Practice squad. Yeah, I think like that was never going to be the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins. Anybody you talked to knew that, but like this could be the year they actually try to address that need and like do it head on. But the team's got five picks also uncharted territory for the two of us because we were so used to having drafts that had double digit picks the last couple of years that I wonder, I mean, like how selective do you think they're going to have to be just with, you know, where they're at right now, knowing that there's, there's needs for them a lot of different places, whether they go out and draft another receiver, if KJ Osborne is going to be the number two and then they bring somebody else in or, you know, what do they do to, you know, along the defensive line? If Zedaria Smith isn't going to be there, like, and I guess I heard the other day that Daniil's going to not be showing up for OTAs, shock, surprise, same song and dance as a few years ago. Like, what are they going to do? In corner, obviously, like, it wouldn't be a Minnesota Vikings draft without them needing a cornerback, and it sounds like uh, that's going to be priority number one or two for them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, if they draft a corner, I'm going to be concerned that I'm living in a simulation and uh, nothing ever changes. Um, <laughs> how many years? Let's go through it. Like, how many years? So, like, 18 was Hughes. 20 was Gladney. Like, I'm trying to think, like, first or second round corner. Last year, Andrew Booth Jr., 2016, Mackenzie Alexander. So, the, fun- 15. the funny thing is that they've drafted no other defensive position in the first or second round since 2015. No other position. It's just always been corner. 
Uh, well, and then 2015 was also corner. So I don't even know when the last defensive position in the first round, it would have been, uh, Marie Floyd in 2014. That's right. Harrison Smith in, uh, 2012. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, uh, Anthony Barr, 2014. So they, the, was F. Floyd. Was he, yeah, he was um, 13, 13. That was when they picked Floyd over. Um, Andy. yeah. Uh, no, that it was, uh, Anthony Barr was picked over Aaron Donald That's right, and it was Floyd who was part of the three first round draft pick, uh, where they had took Cordero Patterson and Xavier right. Rhodes. So, but, but they've only drafted corners in the first round as a defensive position since literally 2014. So yeah, I mean, I guess that would, that would track also just real quick. The Kellen Mond story was basically that you and I had talked leading up to the draft and you said, I think they'll take a mid round quarterback. I'm looking at Kellen Mond and some dweeb tried to roast you on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm telling for the audience, for the audience. So, because we were kind of saw one was all right. Remind me who did they trade with in 21? Because they were sitting there at Jets. That's right. Jets moved up to get Vera Tucker and the bear, the bears, the Vikings moved back to 24 or 23. I don't know if they went that far. I think it might've been like 18 or something. Hold on. I had their draft history pulled up here. Christian Derisaw picked at 23. Oh, 23. No, you're right. Okay. That wasn't sure it was that far. You nailed so it. I remember, I remember like sitting there because remember we got to go, you were doing the live stream, but we got to go out and be socially distanced at TCO in the, in the practice facility for the draft. We each got our own table. It was really cool. I didn't like sit next to anybody. Just kind of like sit in my little like draft bubble. And like, I remember some idiot like had tweeted something at me about how dumb I was for picking Christian Darisaw. They'll never pick him, blah, blah, blah. And I remember quote tweeting it and feeling like I just like Mike dropped my way into the ether. So that was fun. People have to understand, mess around and find out when it comes to giving you a hard time about things. I haven't done it in a very long time. I think I'm due. Mm. Well, let's see. Kyle Sloter got benched in the XFL if you just want to dip back into that playbook. Um, I'm good good on that one. I'll let you, you're on your own for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That one has long been decided. So we don't have to (laughs) worry too much about that, but um, doubt any of your takes at your own peril is what I would say to anybody who tries to come at you. Uh, But anyway, so (laughs) that was an entire aside to just ask you what you think about their situation, because it feels like there's just so many ways that they could go. And is there really going to be a quarterback that they can actually acquire who's worth it? That's not coming off an ACL and 25 years old. So, so Hendon hookers out is what you're saying. I just, I don't know if I'm entirely. Yeah. I, I just don't know Hendon if I'm buying it. Will come out. I don't know. Um, I, the whole idea of them, I think they've been toying with it because there were those reports out there that they talked to the San Francisco 49ers about Trey Lance. They're very clearly trying to protect themselves here and have options because Kirk and his salary and where he's at right now, if he's due for one more contract, do the Vikings really want to be paying that? I I had heard, you know, like that ownership kind of has given down a directive that you know, no, we're not getting rid of him this year. Like, they still want to be competitive. They still think this whole competitive rebuild idea that Quasey put through last year seems to have worked on paper. I guess this year we'll be we'll see if it actually did, considering the pieces that they parted ways with, and now what they're trying to again retool, not rebuild. I don't see it with Hendon Hooker. I think that twenty three is a prime spot for a Quentin Johnson for another receiver when this offense has been built on. You know, you've got to find the the replacement for 
Adam Thielen and in replacement and upgrade too, to be able to have somebody who can compliment Justin Jefferson and take some of that pressure off of Jefferson. So I, I don't see Hendon hooker there at 23. I, I mean, will he be there potentially? I don't know if that's the right fit for the Vikings. It would be in the sense that you don't have to play him right away, but I'm just not so sure that just in terms of what they want to do and have their plans together for if Kirk's going to be here beyond the season, if not, I don't know if we know enough truly. And, you know, you brought up some of like the age stuff and the injury certainly is a a big one, but I'm not, I'm not sold on that one. I, I have them going with a receiver. I think receiver makes a lot of sense. That's what I have been draft simming them mostly. And I also think that they have to consider that KJ Osborne is in the last year of his contract. Like that hasn't been brought up at all, but I mean, KJ is a guy that's sort of a classic Vikings re-sign him, but you don't know that for sure. I mean, when they get to it, he might decide he wants to hit free agency and you know, you're not going to franchise tag KJ Osborne. So if you lose Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne next to Justin Jefferson, I mean, he's going to be like that Will Smith gif at the end of fresh Prince was like, you know, where is everybody in the house? So uh, I do have receiver as the, the thing to take and for them to wait till 2024. And I was just reading an article by our friend, Kalen Kaler, a fellow Chicagoan uh, about, um, you know, how quarterbacks are staying in college and they're staying longer because of the NILs, which I think is actually really good. Quarterbacks who come out too soon, get in over their head, fail quickly in the NFL. It's great for, I think this of of basketball prospects, everything else, stay longer. It's okay. It's okay. Michael Jordan and Tim Duncan stayed a long time in college. It's okay. Peyton Manning stayed an extra year, uh, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, So yeah, he did. Right. So Andrew Luck, but he decided to come out in 98. Right, right, right. And I think even Andrew Luck may have stayed one more year than people expected. So like, you don't have to force yourself into the NFL, but that allows for 2024 to maybe be a fruitful quarterback draft because some of these guys have taken a little extra time and have gotten more playing experience. So even if the Vikings aren't going to be able to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, you still could be in line for a decent prospect in 2024. And I I come back to that option thinking it's always the best one. Don't reach for Hendon Hooker just because he's there. Don't draft a mid-round one who probably becomes the next Kellen Mond. Like, wait till you can actually really invest one. And probably you're drafting higher than you are this year, next year, and have more draft capital. Like, it all kind of aligns. But the one thing is when we were talking about those timelines, it's like, okay, well, this year you're competitive. You draft a quarterback, he plays as a rookie, you're not competitive because they never are in that case. So are you looking at 2025? And if you're Justin Jefferson, do you want to like hang around for that? Do you, I mean, they can make him if they want to with, you know, the fifth year option and everything else, but uh, franchise tag, but you know, are you really going to be able to do that? So I think that his personal timeline also plays into this where they might be also thinking if they go to the end of this year, or, or that's one reason to get Trey Lance. Cause he has NFL experience or be looking for veteran quarterbacks next year. This uncertainty around the quarterback situation, it, it really just makes everything on the table. I think it does. And the only way I could see them taking a first round quarterback is if one of them somehow falls. Like if Anthony Richardson, like that's the name that I've seen, like, you know, at least in like recent mocks. And we're probably talking ourselves into a circle with this because draft boards have been set. Like, let's make that clear. Like nobody's changing the board around this week. Like, oh, I got new information. Got to move this prospect over another. No, trust your board. Trust your own like process of how you've like ranked these guys. And I'm not convinced that 
this court, like how many quarterbacks are going to be gone in the top five? I'm not convinced that four are gone by Seattle. I'm not because it never plays out that way. Now, if one falls, because this kind of comes into where I come in, like if the bears are there at nine and there's a team that says like, let's say it's the Vikings. Let's say it's Tampa Bay, not Washington, apparently, because I guess they like Sam Howell. I'll believe that when I see it. Anybody below nine, they're saying like Chicago's not taking a quarterback like, and you know, but we want to get to that spot. That would be a sweet spot for a trade to be able to get the fourth best quarterback in this draft. But you know, we also don't know because the Vikings haven't like traded up under Adolfo Mens, like traded up immensely like that under Quasey and Kevin O'Connell. So we'll see how it works. But I, I think this is part of the reason why the Lamar Jackson talk, and I don't know where it's going. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody does at this point. It's been very quiet. It's probably why he was rumored like to, for Minnesota to have interest. And I don't know whether they did or not, but wouldn't that make a whole ton of sense for you when you're thinking about like, all right, this is a team that wants to stay competitive. They want to keep their spot at the cool kids table where you wouldn't have that 2024 drop off that you speak of. If, if you have a rookie playing then, or even if you had, you know, somebody coming off an injury, if it was a hand and hooker, like, and if that was his first season playing, you would be in a better spot if you had a veteran who could keep Justin Jefferson happy because you know, he's going to have somebody you can trust throwing the ball to him. So maybe they end up going that route with a veteran quarterback if they don't end up addressing it in the first round or second round. Maybe I should have done a draft sim where they trade up with Chicago because Kwesi is not afraid to trade up with the intra division. Oh, he uh, loves the inner division trades. Maybe the Vikings are, he did one with Green Bay, right? And Detroit. And then the Hawkinson trade with Detroit as well. Detroit, you know, with the Hawkinson trade, there's one team remaining. So, like, that's, that would be, uh, that would be a, a trip if he ends up just being like, you know what? We're going the most unconventional route. We're going to draft. Uh, we're going to trade some of our draft picks to all of our um, rivals. And I will correct myself. I, I'm looking at it. I forgot they do not have that second round selection this year. They don't. Yeah, that's TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, first, okay, so. First, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. My God, you're going to be done early again this year. If, if it stays this way, which is not complaining. I just, we were so used to like, Man, we're on the board at 248. Like, what am I going to say about this guy? Uh, the yeah, the Jalen Twymans of the world of just okay. kind of, yeah, waiting around to see. Uh, but thank you for jinxing me because I was thinking like that seventh round is the longest hour plus of your life. Just waiting and waiting and waiting for the draft to be over so you could start writing, so you could start podcasting, everything else. It's like... Come on. And there was the one year where they had Dylan Mitchell, BC Johnson, Austin Cutting. There, there was, I think, four. That was the year that we had. Brian yes. Cole. Is that yes. it? Hold on. I have it right here. The 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 awful year was 2020. Because don't you remember that was the COVID year? The year you're referring to is 19 when they went from like Chris Boyd to Dylan Mitchell to BC Johnson to Austin Cutting. So four seventh rounders. But lest I remind you, when Spielman on day two of the COVID draft, we're all sitting at home, like starts just trading back and trading back again and trading back again. And then you get Kenny Willekes, Nate Stanley, Brian Cole, the second who didn't even make it through training camp and Kyle Hinton. Like, I just remember that being like what I sat on the couch when I went back to Chicago for, to like be with my family during COVID. 
I sat on the couch for the same spot for 14 hours that day. I remember like waking up, like getting off and like, wow, my back hurts. I wonder why, because I was just sitting here covering the draft. And that's why I'm so thankful that we're back in person. But yeah, that year sucked from like someone's perspective covering it. Like, especially how close some of those picks were. Remember you go from like, you know, DJ Wanham was there at 117 and then, you know, James Lynch is there at 130. Troy Dye at 132. Like considerable picks you have to write about in the fourth round. And then it's Harrison Hand at 169. KJ Osborne at 176. 203, 205. Like 244, 249. Like that was a tough year. I will well, that, that draft like took a couple years off my life. I'm not gonna lie. I know. I am I yeah, wow. I forgot about most of that. But the uh how how funny is the randomness of the draft of like Harrison Hand, there was just nothing there at all. And he's taken in front of the guy who's become a significant player for them. I think that happened with uh Stefan Diggs too, where somebody else who became absolutely nothing was taken just a few picks ahead by the Vikings. Like they they love to tell the tales of how much they love Stefan Diggs. And yet it's like, well, didn't you take some random tackle right in front of him? Uh but anyway, draft randomness. That's what it is. So give me uh before we wrap up though, what is your and it doesn't have to be Vikings, it doesn't have to be Bears, it just has to be the blazingest, hottest take that you have in the deepest depths of your football shaped soul. Anthony Richardson will fall to the second round. Oh, wow. There you go. Okay. Now that's some fire that I was looking for. I don't think Anthony Richardson's getting past like the third or fourth pick, but that is, but that's hot though. That's what I'm talking about. That's like a nine or 10. 10. Because of all of the names for like boomer bust sort of prospects, Like, this is not somebody who's ready to start in 2023. I know I've heard that from a few people, a few of my colleagues, and I'm like, what on earth are you thinking here? This is a guy who had a sub-56% completion percentage. This is somebody who has 13 starts. There's no way. But I think there will be one quarterback that falls way in the depths of the first round, maybe even early second, and I'm willing to say that that's Anthony Richardson. You know what I I think Anthony Richardson will You can call me when he goes like to Indy at four and tell me I'm, you know, tell me my picks suck. That's what I was looking for. There's no responsibility for intentional hot takes that are big swings at bold picks. There's no responsibility. You don't get roasted for that. Um, well, I was going to give you the CJ Shroud's the last quarterback taken in the first oh, that, round. Okay. I now, don't that's like that one though. I think that one's BS. I don't like it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, agree. I think people are saying that are dumb, frankly. What are you basing that on? Anthony Richardson's raw. Will Levis like has like no control. And I just don't see it with somebody like CJ Stroud, who has played at the highest level of, you know, college football in the playoffs this year. And outside of what happened in the final minutes of that Georgia game, he's about to lead his team to a national champ to play in the national championship. So no, I wasn't going to give you a bad hot take. I was going to give you one that might be rooted in some fact. What we know is that we don't know. So how it plays out, if it does end up uh, that he drops, then you will look very good for your hot take, but that's exactly it. And hey, like uh, decrying any of the CJ Stroud nonsense from uh, the last few weeks, I guess, or days that this has come up also, also pretty fire. So perfect. Well, anyway, I hope you wear the draft scout shirt. 
uh, for 14 straight hours on day three when Ryan Poles is drafting every player in the universe and that you have a lot of fun for the draft. And we will uh, we'll definitely talk soon after that, kind of debrief what everybody's team looks like and, you know, we'll get together and have fun. So I hope you have a great draft. It will be a wonderful time. I hope that your five picks, I know that they're not going to stay five picks. We know how this franchise works, even if it's a new front office, you still need to fill some holes there. And they're not, you know, they're not the Rams yet to uh, how they view draft capital. So, but I hope your five picks don't turn into like 11 picks by the end of the day. Five picks is not a lot of uh, training camp profiles to write about the young players. So not a lot of options there. We'll see. Uh, But thank you again. And we will get together soon and uh, football. Football.